This is the Seeker of Generational Wealth podcast, the podcast that bridges the gap for individuals who are seeking to build generational wealth through entrepreneurship with your host, Shannon Marguerite. Welcome to the Seeker of Generational Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Marguerite. This podcast bridges the gap for individuals who are seeking to build generational wealth through entrepreneurship. Now, this episode is episode two, and I have a very good friend of mine, Rachel, who is the co-owner of Cobrazilla Credit. And Cobrazilla is a company where they educate with credit and they help others get their credit together. Rachel, how are you? Hello, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for being here with us. Now, I wanted to speak with you. Um, I think credit is something that's overlooked a lot of times and it's very, um, we don't understand it a lot and there's a lot of different interpretations, but I do have some questions that I do want to ask you. And my first question is, how does credit affect your financial future? That's a really great question, Shannon. Um, Credit affects your financial future in so many different ways. This can affect you getting a car, qualifying for a loan, qualifying for a home loan. There's so many different areas and categories in which credit can find, uh, affect your financial future. And if it's not right or you don't have it proper, you could be missing out on opportunities. You can even actually be holding yourself back if you don't have the appropriate credit or credit score. Do you believe that the media has allowed people to actually understand that impact that it has? I don't think the media does a really good job of portraying it. Um, The media has this connotation behind it that cash is king. Um, It's really not because even though we may have the cash or the liquid to purchase certain things, lenders still want to see your credit. They still want to see that you're able to be responsible with your money, that you're able to pay credit card companies back on time. So when we see media, um, we immediately see people flashing monies and they have cars and all this great stuff, but nobody's really talking about credit. Nobody's really talking about how to obtain these things and how to do it the proper way. So I think that's the biggest thing with media is they highlight the outside or the outcome, but they're not really highlighting the process of what it takes to get their credit or credit score correctly, you know, repaired or restored for that matter. Okay, I agree. And I think that, you know, even in school, and that's a big thing about, you know, how I got to um, really want to say seeker of generational wealth is that we were learning about, I think maybe I had like some budgets and, you know, it was trying to, you know, I don't know, do some taxes or something. Some people, you know, I've talked to people and they're like, oh, we did taxes in school. Oh, we did budgets. However, I don't believe that, you know, we really talked about or had an opportunity to discuss really what credit is. Not at all. Not at all. And it's still not a part of the curriculum either. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. Like, I I don't see the importance necessarily in elementary school and like middle. But when children are approaching high school, getting ready to go into college, these are the most pivotal points of their life where credit should be talked about, should be learned, should be understood. Um, Because when they're going to make financial decisions, when it comes to student loans, getting their first car, even potentially getting a home at a young age, they need to understand the importance of credit, how it works, you know, and understanding what's needed to accomplish it and keep it in a good place. Because the thing is, 
you know, you have some children who will go through college, taking loan after loan after loan after loan after loan, and then they come out of college and yeah, they finally settle on their career, um, but they're unable to achieve certain things because these loans are affecting their credit. And, you know, they don't know a smarter way or a better way to manage that, you know, in those situations. So they end up getting delayed from a lot of opportunities. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it would have been better if they had known before, because knowing later pushes them back financially way back, you know, way back. Right. And I agree. And I also think that one of the biggest things that we are seeing now is the we see more resources than we saw. And we're able to actually educate ourselves and fix things that, you know, maybe we didn't even know that we could fix. So one thing that I really love about your company is that you take the time to really educate people and you take the time to, you know, just say little you know, things that people would not think about just to help their credit. Because even if you have good credit, you know, what about even better credit? And what are some things that, and I think the other thing is, is some people have very good credit or or great credit and then something happens and they don't really understand how to maintain that. So, you know, I think in a lot of the companies where they're fixing credit, but not telling people, okay, it's not just everything's paid off or, you know, you had this stuff taken away because it was an error, but how do you actually build credit? So one of the things that I did want to ask you also is when would you say is a good time to purchase a home based on your credit score? That's another great question. I'm actually asked that a lot by our clients. I think the best time to purchase a home or go for getting to get like, you know, pre-qualified for a loan. I want to say you want to at least be at a 720 or higher. I know that there's a lot of realtors that will tell people, oh, 540, 680, um, we can get you a loan. We can get you this or that. However, however, a 720 is not only just going to qualify you, but get you the best rates with interest. We have to consider, yeah, we can get a house at 680, but what is your interest rate going to be? You know, so it's good because it'll get you in the door, but why don't we get in the door with better footing? You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if you can get a 720 and get a 2% interest rate versus a 680, and then you have like a 15% interest rate, you know, it's so much better. So I would say shoot for the highest that you possibly can before you try to get pre-qualified. Because a lot of people are in such a rush to get a home. It's, oh, I got a 640. I'm applying. No, no, no. Hold your horses. See if you can get a little bit higher so you can get more bang for your buck, more money and a lower interest rate. So you get more for your time and for your efforts of building and repairing your credit. Right. And I think that's a a wonderful thing to speak about because uh, there are a lot of companies that help people, you know, get into their first home and they have a lot of different agencies and even government funded agencies that'll say you don't have to have a high credit score. This is okay. But I also think that one of the things that, you know, just like we were talking about is the high interest rates. And we look at it as, okay, I can attain and have this house. However, one of the things is, yeah, I can have this house, but at what interest rate? Am I paying three times amount for the home? Two times? How long is it going to take me to pay off the house? Which in fact is going to hurt my credit even more down the line because I have this loan and I'm paying all this interest and all of the money that I'm putting into it is going towards the interest and that's not helping my credit at all. 
Absolutely. So, okay, and great. Realtors actually mm -hmm. won't tell you that because they're also kind of money hungry for their commission and stuff like mm -hmm. that. They're not going to tell you, oh, get to a 720. They see but, you at a 640, hey, we're taking you. Um, Come on, let's get you pre-qualified. They're not going to tell you, oh, your interest rate is going to be high because they're caring about their commission. You know, right. so as a company, too, we want to educate people like, yeah, you can get into a house with a 640 credit score. However, we strive to get you higher than that because you're going to get a better opportunity that way. You know, it's like it's, it's like a comparison. Do you want the best or do you want just something that's mediocre that can just kind of get you in? So it's really all up to what you want. But I would still recommend shooting for the highest. Right. And I think another thing is, it's a big push to, you know, do you get your first house? Do you get this and get that? You don't want to rent anymore. But again, what a lot of people, I think, um, don't really take into consideration is, yeah, you can rent or renting, you know, you, you want to get your footwork in, you want to make sure that your finances are together so you can move into this house. However, like we just said, how much am I actually paying? Wouldn't it be more advantageous for me to continue paying rent and just waiting? Because in the long run, am I going to end up paying more? Exactly. I totally agree That's with right. that statement. Okay, great. So then the other question is, um, is credit ever too bad to be fixed? All right. So that is an awesome, awesome question. Um, reason I say that is because we get a lot of clients who will come and say, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you about my credit. I'm, I'm not sure if, you know, your credit, and I always encourage people, your credit is never, never too bad to be fixed. Even with a bankruptcy on there, a lien, a repossession, an eviction, your credit is never too bad to be worked on. There's always chance for change. As long as you're alive and you have, a, you know, a financial income and the ability to make change, then you can always work on your credit. No matter how bad it is, you can have a score in the 400s, the 500s. Um, so many different success stories with people in the low 400s, in the low 500s. Life happens. That's the truth. Life really does happen. Not just to me, not just to you, but to all of us. You know, there's different circumstances that are so out of our control, so beyond our control. that, of course, we should never be embarrassed about um, or never feel bad about because life hands its lemons to everybody. You know what I'm saying? So with life being bad, there's a lot of things to consider when you're you're in the in the road to building your credit again. Um, of course, you want to look at your mistakes that you made, because obviously on the road to recovery, you don't want to do that again, because that's just going to bring you further from where you want to you know, be brought. But that's just a consideration um, for people who may have a less than usual or a score that they don't consider to be great. Um, but you definitely want to definitely consider all of your mistakes, all of your shortcomings in the road to recovery because you, you just don't want to you don't want to mess your score up any further, like I was saying before. But long story short, it's never too bad to be fixed. No matter what you've been through, what your credit has been through, I should say, there's definitely always chance for change. There's always chance to get it fixed. Um, there's a lot of work that we do behind the scenes with the collection agencies and the bureaus and the furnishers that you know we do on behalf of our clients. And um, yeah, we work hard to ensure that they can get their scores up, but it's never too bad. I wouldn't say it's ever too bad. The only time it's too bad is when you don't have a credit score. And in that case, you actually have to build it from scratch. So that's not even bad. That's just a, a journey to start, you know? Right. And I think that one of the other things that you said with that is even when it is bad, 
you do have an opportunity to build your credit as if in a lot of ways you did not have credit. And, you know, one of the things is, or one of the biggest impacts that that can come with is educating yourself. And that's something, like I said, I love that your company does is you are educating individuals on what to do so they can be sufficient themselves. It's not a company that just says, hey, let's just do this for you boom, here you go. And then I'm coming back to you eight months later because I have this other stuff. Can you do that? It's something that is sustainable, something that you can work with. You're able to build a rapport with your clients. You're able to actually be able to help them and have the patience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I'm always talking about patience because you deal with me or anybody. You have to have that doing credit. You have to have that because it's not an overnight process. And you're right. We do educate our patients. We are best at patients, our clients. We make mm-hmm. sure that we basically take Same them difference. through the whole process. I know. Because, you Same know, what? We're, like, we're like doctors. We're, we're like yeah. doctors because, you know, in this situation, we're working on their credit. This yeah. is financial financial and doctors. It, yes, we're like financial doctors. Mm-hmm. So I think my patients, my clients, you know, however mm-hmm. you want to lie. But that's how serious yeah. I take them because it's like, you know what? If we're working on your credit, I don't want to see you six months down the line. I don't want to see you eight months down the line. Mm-hmm. I want to know that after we work with you, you know how to secure your financial future. You know what to do. You know how to do things. You know what I'm saying? And what we do in the education process is we do a lot of stuff for free um, because we know that in the beginning, it's about building trust and building a repertoire with people, letting them know that you're really there for them. We build a lot of um, like educational tools and resources. We we take the time to kind of, you know, like kind of like ladder with our patients and take steps with them and let them understand, you know, like, hey, we're here for you. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. You know, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The companies that really take money and just run off, um, yeah, they might be profitable. Yeah, they might be making money. But at the end of the day, do you want to be with a company who runs off and takes your money or do you want to be with a company that's going to tell you what they're doing with your money, tell you why you paid, how things work, why they're doing this, where they're sending your letters to, who they're talking to, who they're communicating with, what do you need to do with your credit file? There's so many aspects that you have to take into consideration when you're educating somebody about their financial future. And the another thing is it's not a one size fits all either because everybody has a different financial situation. So you have to strategically take your time with each person, you know, and organize it out, you know. So that's definitely something that um, we take the time out to do. Well, thank you. I agree. That sounds absolutely amazing. Um, What I will do is when we do post this podcast, I'll let everyone know where you can be located to help individuals and, you know, about your company so people can, you know, come to Rachel and get some absolutely, help. Absolutely. And, yeah, we have a wonderful great. team here dedicated to helping everyone. And um, I really look forward to helping people secure their financial future. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here with me today. This has been wonderful. I would like, you know, for you to come back periodically to speak with us, you know, maybe give us, you know, a fun fact or, you know, so you actually... You know, just 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 for an opportunity for people to kind of just see little things that they can do here, little things that they can do there in order to help their financial future. 
so much thank for you. having me, Shannon. I really appreciate yes, it. I appreciate it too. And everyone, I want everyone to know that we are here. We are streaming on Fridays and we will be back very soon. Thank you, Rachel, so much. I hope you enjoy your day and thank you for helping others and myself understand and come closer and closer to being a seeker of generational wealth. Right. Thank you, Shin. I hope you have a wonderful day as well. Thank you. Thanks so much. The Seeker of Generational Wealth podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network. Log on to castropolis.net.